Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. All right, we're going to get in the word this morning. And the word is a word, I believe, for 2022. It's a word that God has given me for the church. And it's going to be a three-part series. And I've entitled it E-I-E-I-O. Which is starting to make sense. Amen? E-I-E-I-O. And you'll understand a little bit more of that as we actually get into the word itself. But before we do that, would you just join me with some prayer? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, I know that this is a word, I believe, for the church in this nation, Lord God, for this season. I believe you gave me something. This did not come out of just study time, although I studied like crazy. It didn't come out of just typing notes, although I have pages and pages of notes. This word was birthed out of a lot of questions that I was asking you through 2021. I had so many questions that I was just crying out to you about, and during my Christmas break, I felt like you gave the one answer that answered them all. You gave direction and clarity of what to do, where to go in 2022, and what you are in the process of doing. So God, I am asking for your spirit to come now and to empower this word. It's not enough just to say, look what God showed me, or, or give some notes, or do a little bit of a teaching, or get into some overalls. It's not enough. I am asking that there would be an anointing, Lord God, that would bring us into a unity as a body, a synergy as a body together. And Lord, you would work in us both the will and the do, that the word wouldn't be me, but it'd be you confirming it. It'd be you speaking it into each one of our lives. It it would be you, God, bearing witness to it, and not only bearing witness, but giving us a power that causes us to get up and say, I'm going in that direction. I'm going. That's where God's going. That's where I'm going. That there'd be something of a conviction, a compelling, that would be worked out through the Spirit in our time this morning together. God, we commit this to you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Turn with me to Psalm 126. I'm going to take this out and put it right there. Psalm 126, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read this in the ESV version. We're going to read the whole psalm together. It says this. It said, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, it's interesting when you read Psalm 126 because the psalm is actually broken up into two parts. You have the first half, which is verses 1 through 3, which is a song of rejoicing and thanksgiving. 
And then you have the second half, which is verses four through six, which is a cry for help. Now, the first half of the psalm has been debated over by many, many different biblical scholars for years. Um, Everybody agrees that the first three verses is Israel returning back from the Babylon captivity. But it is actually the verb tenses in the psalm that have been debated by many, many theologians. Some believe that the verbs are in the past tense, which means the first half of the psalm is exactly what I said it was. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. It's saying, God, you have delivered us. God, you have set us free. God, you have restored our fortunes. We are like people who can laugh again, right? It's saying, God, you've done this. But others think that the verb tenses are actually in the future tense, which means the first half of the psalm is connected with the second half, and it's one continual cry for help. It's one prayer saying, God, remember when you said you would deliver us. Remember when you said you would set us free. Remember when you said you would restore our fortunes. Remember, you told our prophets, even though we're in exile right now, we have the writings of Jeremiah. We have the writings of Isaiah. Remember, O God, and act. But either way, whether you translate the first half of the psalm as a song of rejoicing of God's deliverance or you translate it as a hope for God's future deliverance doesn't really matter because what the psalm is, and I want you to get this, this psalm is a psalm of God's people in an open confession being completely transparent before the Lord and they're crying out and they're saying, God, we are in a national crisis. And we're in a national crisis that is so severe, it is so overwhelming, it is so serious that it's affecting every single family and every single individual alike. And unless you come, unless you break through and you come into the midst of this, you come down from heaven, you perform a miracle, unless you make a way where there is no way, there's absolutely no hope for us. Now, I believe with all of my heart This psalm is where the church in America has been for the last two years. You know, when COVID started in 2020 and we were going to do two weeks to shut down, slow the spread, everyone remember that? Shut everything down for two weeks. Sounded great, right? When we heard that, it was a little bit disheartening, but it was still kind of like a novelty, right? We we didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And and to be honest, it was kind of cool at first. You, You got to work from home. That was kind of cool. Uh, You got a lot more personal time. We all needed that. We were all like, man, I can really use this a little bit. Some of us learned how to cook for the first time. And we're like, wow, I eat out a lot. I I should probably cook some things at home. That would be a good thing to know, right? So we learned how to go. Some of us learned how to to make do and to get by with different tools and methods of not having any type of toilet paper in the house because that was like a whole experience in and of itself. I know we blanked that out, but I remember that. I remember that vividly, right? It was scary, but get this. It was manageable, totally manageable. And then we got into 2021 and we got through the first quarter of the year and we got into the first half of the year and then we started coming towards the end of the year and suddenly all these consequences from shutting down, all the consequences from being in isolation, all the consequences of the virus began to rear their ugly heads. And now everybody that you met at least had a friend or a brother or a family member that possibly died of COVID right? Depression, which was something that only 18% of all of Americans dealt with before the pandemic, is now one in every three adults are on some type of anxiety medication because they're so afraid of the future, right? 
all of these cracks in these different foundations, the foundations of our families, the foundations of our personal walk with God, the foundations of our churches, the foundations of our businesses, the foundations of our politics, the foundations of our economy, all these cracks began to be revealed at an accelerated rate. And most of us in 2021, we were so blown away and shell-shocked by it all, we were kind of in a place like we didn't know what to do. And the whole idea was, if I could just get to the end of the year, if we could just put this year behind us and we could start fresh in 2022, then maybe I could get my legs underneath me again. Maybe we could start moving some things forward. Maybe we could put this whole nightmare to rest. And then we began to realize, wait a second, 2022 is not feeling like a fresh new start. It's actually feeling like the same old story, only this time, the trouble that I'm dealing with in my singleness, the trouble I'm dealing with in my family, the trouble I'm dealing with in my mind, the trouble I'm dealing with in my heart is only getting worse. See, we are in a Psalm 126 season. We have entered a national crisis that is exposing all the cracks in all these different foundations. And it is affecting everybody, rich and poor alike, the boss as well as the laborer, the church leader as well as the congregation. Nobody's getting out of this season of sifting that it seems like we're in right at the moment. And what we're doing is we're coming in every Sunday service. We're gathering here at church or we're at home in our devotion time and we're doing Psalm 126. We're remembering God's past deliverances, right? We're reading through the scriptures and we're seeing where God broke through miraculously for his people and the most incredible situations. And, and we're remembering God's faithfulness in our own lives. And with the little bit of faith that it's stirring up inside of our hearts, we as a church people all throughout this country are starting to cry out with this loud groaning, just like verse four that says this, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Restore my joy, God. I feel like I have no hope. I feel like I have no faith left in my heart. Restore my joy. Restore my peace. I can't sleep at night. I'm still worried about the future. I'm worried about my job. I lost my job. I don't. Restore my peace. I need some measure of peace. Restore my children. My goodness, the shutdowns with the school and what they went through. God, they, they're dealing with psychological damage that I don't even know the half of. God, restore my children. God, restore my heart. It's been so long that I'm enduring through all of this that my love for you is beginning to grow cold. I could go a day, I could go a week, I could even go a month without being in your word and there's not even an issue for me with it anymore. There's not even a conviction because I'm so tired over what I have been going through as I've been walking through 2021. Restore my love for you, God. Restore my consecration to you. I was stuck at home all this time with all these devices, Lord, and I started putting things on. I, I couldn't fight the temptations, and now I, I have a porn addiction. Now I'm watching movies and things, and, and even news. Some of the, just news that's just filled. Oh, gosh, God, restore to me consecration. Restore to me a spirit that is pure in your sight, God. Yes, your blood cleanses me. Yes, it's true, but get this junk, this toxicity out of me. Restore your church, God. 
There's a lethargy that has come into the church. Restore your church. Your people are tired and weak. Bring restoration. God, it has been years of dealing with a continual drip, a continual place of destruction. Would you come now out of your mercy and restore the years that the canker worm has eaten? Now, here's the part of Psalm 126 that confuses me. You would think that after God's people humbled themselves like that and confessed and prayed like that, that the rest of the psalm would have read like Psalm 18, which is my, my life psalm. In fact, let me show you what I mean. You think as soon as God would hear that cry, this is how the rest of the psalm would have gone. Look, Psalm 18, verses 6 through 9, and then verses 14 through 17. Watch this. It says, in my distress... I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. Oh, I like that. And my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also, the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me for they were too mighty for me. But Psalm 26 doesn't read like that. In fact, let me show you what Psalm 126 says. Ready? Verse 1 through 3. Listen listen to this and on. It says, starting in verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. We were glad. Okay, here's the prayer. Here's the cry. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those, listen to the answer, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. See, in Psalm 126, get this, God doesn't give his people a miraculous deliverance the way we picture miraculous deliverances today. Instead, get this, God gives them a kingdom principle. Let me read it. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. See, God sees the national crisis that his people are in. He sees all the cracks in the different foundations. He sees the fear of his people. He sees the trials of his people. And you know what he says? He says there is a deliverance. There is a way out of all of this. There's a way of living triumphant above this, being victorious in Christ, which is your inheritance as believers. God says there's a way to live above this mess and to fix the cracks that are actually in the foundation. But he says this time, this time it's not coming with just a baptism on my spirit on a Sunday morning where I lay you all out because you're slain in the spirit and then we wake up and it's 2019. I would like it to come that way. I'm in for I pray for that every Sunday service. And I want it every Sunday service. But you know what God says? No, 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 no. This time it's going to come from my people implementing one of my kingdom principles of sowing and reaping. Okay, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. Write this down. I'm going to put it up on the screen. And I want you to get this. Here we go. God's kingdom operates 
according to kingdom principles. Okay? If we want to see kingdom power, if we want to see kingdom deliverance, if we want to see kingdom restoration, then we have to embrace God's kingdom principles. Okay, let me read that again because it's good. I'm going to read it to you on this side because you didn't get a chance. You ready? This is good. God's kingdom operates according to kingdom principles. If we want to see kingdom power, kingdom deliverance, and kingdom restoration, then we have to embrace God's kingdom principles. And then get this. And the principle that God gives to a nation in a national crisis in Psalm 126 is the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. In fact, let me show you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Let me, let me just read this to you. It says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know, a lot of pastors and teachers, they use 2 Corinthians chapter 9 to talk about money, to talk about tithing. But there's something so much deeper and so much profound in this passage of scripture than just like Sunday morning offering time. This is God telling his people so powerfully that, hey, if you want deliverance, you want freedom, you want joy, you want leadership, you want influence in your life, you want blessing for yourself and your family, then you need to sow. And he says this, but not just sow. Listen to this. He says, in the measure that you sow, into your family, in the measure that you sow into your business, in the measure that you sow into your leadership, in the measure that you sow into things and people in your church around you is the measure of the deliverance and the freedom and the restoration that you're going to receive. He says, you sow sparingly, you receive sparingly. You sow bountifully, you'll receive bountifully. See, it's so easy for all of us to look around at other believers and their blessings in their lives and to covet those things, right? I do it. I'm not supposed to, but I do, right? You see a believer who has joy in their life and you say, man, I'd give anything to live with that type of faith. You ever have one of those believers, their whole life is a mess. They're, they're literally about to lose their home. Everything's going wrong and they come into the house and they're asking you how you're doing. They're laying hands on you and believing for miracles for you because they have so much joy. They have so much faith. It's just overflowing. And you see something like that and say, I want that type of faith. I want that type of hope. I want to live like that. I want to live above these situations and these problems and these difficulties, right? Or we look at another Christian and we see a business that they built and we say, man, I would love to be able to have control of my life and my destiny like them, be able to set my own hours. We look at somebody's ministry that's flourishing. You go outside and there's one focus group that always has a, literally a line out the door and you think, man, I want that type of influence for the kingdom of God. I want that. I want, I want to live there. I want to experience it. I want to walk in it. We look at somebody's kids. We look at their spouses and we say, man, I, I want my family to have that type of relational and spiritual health. And the problem is, and I want you to get this, is many times as Christians, what we are focusing on is the season of reaping of these individuals and we're not paying attention to all the sowing that they did to be able to get to that point. So we just see the blessing and we say, well, I want that. But we're not realizing that they took the time and the intentionality to sow into the relationship with God. 
They took time to sow into their leadership. They developed it. They took time to sow into a business. They took time to sow into a church, to sow into their own ministry. They sowed, and now they're receiving a reaping that we are seeing, and in our hearts are saying, I want. They put in the work reading helpful books, going to seminars, listening to the podcast, when, when all of us, to be honest, we're just watching TV. They put in the work learning new skills to better their ministry. And you know what? And this is the truth. And I'm going to say it, but it's, I want you to take it with love. They didn't quit when their focus group only had three people in it. I hear that all the time. There's only three people. Why are we even doing it? I don't know. Maybe you should start sewing. Maybe you start asking people how the teaching's going. Does the teaching impact them? Grow in understanding of what you need to do to be more effective in the ministry. Grow relationships within the church. Get to know people that you can invite to the focus groups. They don't know you yet. They don't know. Make an investment. Sow into something. And I've seen people that have three people in their focus groups. And to be honest, they sowed and they sowed and they sowed every single year. They sowed into it. They took time. They worked it. And they said, you know what? This ministry is going to be an impactful ministry for the kingdom of God here at the Springs Church. And it grew because they received a reaping for the sowing. They took time and made the sacrifice to get involved in a community group and built relationships. You know, some people wonder, why am I not growing as a Christian? Well, you can't grow without living life with other Christians. That's what the Bible says. So they made the choice to live life. And some weeks it was boring, and some weeks it didn't scratch their itch, and some weeks it was, but they made the choice. That's what it is to live life with other people. Like, if we naturally came together, if that was just a natural thing, nobody would be sitting at home at night on their TV anymore. We would be in our neighborhoods with everything. That's not natural. You have to push into that. You have to sow into that. They made those relationships that are now paying dividends in the midst of the trials that we're now experiencing. They made the choice to go to counseling. They made the choice to get good Christian books on marriage and read it with their spouse at night before they went to bed. They sowed. And now they're experiencing abundant reaping. And we're watching it and saying, I want that. I desire. In fact, I'll get into this in a little bit. But a lot of this message came out of my own prayer time with God. And I'm just going to be transparent of where it actually came from. See, I believe with all of my heart, listen to me that the church has experienced a dispensational shift universally in many areas. And one of the areas that is causing the Western world believers' heads to just spin in circles is that we are going from a season of continual breakthrough in reaping to a season of sowing. See, many of us have had the privilege to be able to live in an ecclesiastical age where we just had constant reaping because of the faithfulness and the selflessness of the generations that sowed behind us. They sowed, I was thinking about this in prayer. Do you realize like Harvard and Princeton, all these Ivy League schools, you know they were Christian universities when they started, right? 
Somebody said, you know what? I'm going to sow into this nation and I'm going to raise up young people who are going to know the Lord. And they built these schools and they, they gave of themselves and they poured into, which changed and shifted the nation for years and even generations. And now, yes, they are a dark cesspool of the enemy's wickedness, 100%. 100%, I get it, but that's not where they were when they started. There was a generation that came before us that sowed into this country, that sowed into this nation, that sowed into its Christian roots so that we could receive the reaping that we have walked in for years. And it's shifting. That harvest is coming to an end. And God is saying, who's going to sow? Who's going to sow? Oh, just wait, just wait. You will either hate me or love me by the end of this message. But I worked so hard on this, I brought pictures to show you what I mean. Can, can I throw the first slide? First slide, Jonathan, so we can see. No, not that. Not that. Go to the, the tree. There we go. This picture right here is what the church used to be 20 or 30 years ago. It was a wilderness of oaks of righteousness everywhere. Think about the mid-90s. Think about the early 2000s for those that were actually alive, right? Think about church. Think about the, the movements of young people, choir of the fire, teen mania was everywhere, everybody getting touched. And you would hear about healing services all across the nation. That wasn't just little pockets in the country. Churches were spending time at night in the evenings praying for healing and seeing people get healed. There was moves of God's spirit. There was real prophetic ministry that was actually flowing. Not just the, the, the guys who want to literally decide who's going to win in an election and yell those things out. No, real prophetic ministry that has something to do for the kingdom of God. There was ministry that was pouring out. Missions that was going on from this country. 80% of all of, of, of missions and of the NGO efforts and helping people in other countries came from our nation. This is where the church was at 20 or 30 years ago. Now listen to me. This is a prophetic picture, but I want you to get it. I'm going to show you another slide of where I believe the church is at or is going in our generation. Put up this slide. That's where we're at. The church is becoming almost like a barren wilderness in our country. We don't have influence the way we used to. Church is shutting doors, closing down all through the country. The congregation has become lethargic. We don't engage in faith anymore. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying, listen, we've been through some hard things. And we have a barrenness. Our next generation, this is the first generation since, since the, we, we've started this whole country that, to be honest, are saying, I, I don't even attend church. I don't even know church anymore. You could, I've never even walked into a church before. Things are shifting. And most people don't even come to church because they know it's so barren. They're like, there's nothing there for me anymore. And you know what's happening? We're coming in in prayer meetings and we're saying, God, restore the forest. Restore the oaks of righteousness. Bring back your spirit. Bring back moves of your Holy Ghost. Bring back young people that will rise up and be influencers in the nation. Bring back all these things. God, bring it all back. Restore. Restore America. Restore our church. Restore our hearts. Restore God. And we're crying out that God would bring back this incredible force that one day we would just come in here and we would look around and say, wow, it's all back. Everything's back. Everything's where it's supposed to be. And you know what God is doing? He's answering the prayer and saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. 
but you're not getting a tree. You know what you're getting? says, I'll do it, but here's a bag of seeds. So, so, and you will reap. And you know what we're doing? And forgive me, I'm going to pull out a butterfly knife because you have a cool pastor and I don't use normal knives. I use butterfly knives when I work. This is what we're doing. Okay, God, I'll sow. I'll sow. I'll come to four or five prayer meetings a year. That'll do it. That'll change the course of this whole generation. Yes. Yes. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll go live life with other Christians. I'm going to get involved in a community group, but if I don't make any meaningful friends in 45 minutes, nah, I'm not going to stay. Two seeds over there. No, no, I'm not going to invest into it. I, I'm just going to go. If, it does, if I don't like it, eh, one more, maybe one more time, eh, done. That'll touch, that'll touch this generation. Oh, man, that's going to make a big difference. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going to start growing in my leadership because I want to have more influence on my job for Christianity. I want to glorify God. I'm going to pick up a good, a good leadership book, and I'm going to read The Inside Jacket. I didn't get into the chapters, but the inside jacket was pretty good. It had one little principle in there I thought would really be good for me. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll start having some devotion time with you. But be honest with my schedule. It'll probably be only two, maybe even just once a week. And then we come back in the house of God and we say, why is nothing changing? To be honest, this type of seeds, the enemy picks up like that. Do you want to see how God wants us to sow? God says, no, no, no. I wanted you to sow bountifully. I wanted you to sow into relationships. I wanted you to sow into prayer. I wanted you to sow into serving the next generation. I wanted you to sow. I wanted you to sow everywhere you went. I wanted you to grab seed, and I want you to sow for my kingdom. Sow. If you want the oaks of righteousness, God says, I'll give it to you. But it's going to come through a kingdom principle. It comes through sowing and reaping. You have to sow. God's saying, I got plenty of seed. Come to my spirit. Come to my presence. I'll give you more. Sow into your family. Sow into your children. Sow. Sow. See, this whole message came out of time of a pity party with me in the Lord. I, I had some prayer time with God. And this was my honest confession. I said, God, I feel like in this last year of 2021, the ministry has outgrown me. That's what I said to him. I said, I've never known a pastor, even a mentor friend of mine, who's ever navigated a church through this type of world right now. Everybody I meet is in a crisis. Every family is going through something that is horrific. I'm, I'm, I'm doing more funerals than I've ever done before. 
I, have, I got literally a whole schedule of funerals that I have to be at and I have to go to. And then I've been telling the Lord, and then everybody's so divided. If I tell people to wear a mask, they'll leave the church. If I tell them not to wear the mask, the other people leave the church. Every, everybody's divided. Everybody's upset. The economy is all over the place. People are losing their jobs. There's staff shortages. Who in the world has ever pastored through a season like this? And on top of it all, there's a nationwide pandemic. Who's ever pastored this? And I started praying. I started getting on my knees and saying, God, I feel like Solomon. I don't know my ways in. I don't know my way out. I can't handle these burdens at the level that they're at. God, I need wisdom. I started praying, give me wisdom, wisdom, wisdom to put boundaries in my life, wisdoms of putting the right schedules together so I could get to people that are in need, wisdom in the word to be able to give clarity and direction. God, give me wisdom. God, help me. Touch me like Solomon. And I felt like God say so clearly to me, this is what he said. He said, Michael, I'll give you wisdom, but you're not getting it like Solomon if you sow you will reap. You will reap. And you know what I did all Christmas break? I broke out all these leadership books, all of them again. I would spend one hour in the Word in the morning. I'd spend a little time in prayer. And in my evening, I started reading and reading and reading and taking notes and learning new skills and learning new ways and learning new things. I was saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some out. I'm going to sow, sow. And as I started doing that, suddenly God started speaking to me for the church where to sow in the church for 2022. He's talking about discipleship. Even with the young people, with Marcus and Tommy, you're doing such a phenomenal job, but to help bring resources behind them. We have so many issues with young people that are going through things. And let me tell you something, we need more. We need more discipleship. We need more opportunity. We need to connect intergenerationally with other people. God started just downloading all these things. He started speaking to me about prayer. Michael, you gotta turn the degrees of prayer. There's gotta come more sowing in the place of prayer. We cannot let prayer die in the house. We have to stoke it all over again. And you're going to have to sow in your own leadership again. you got to grow again in wisdom and understanding. All these places that he began to open up that I'm going to be sharing about over the next two sermons. But God says you got to sow. you got to sow. You know, I think when we come to Jesus, we always have this idea of what ministry is supposed to look like. You can put the picture up now, Josh. We always have this picture, right? This is, this is ministry. This is discipleship. This is following Jesus. I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm going to speak to thousands and thousands about the Lord. Be a great evangelist. Awesome. Praise God. We, we, this, is, this is our picture, right? Or we got a picture like this. This is our picture. Oh, Hillsong. That's, I'm a worship leader. I'm supposed to be going to sold out concerts. I'm supposed to be up on stage rocking it with everybody. Awesome, awesome. Or we have this picture. I'm the next Lisa Bevere, who is awesome, by the way, and I love, but, but I'm going to speak to tons of women, and I'm going to show them that the power and the roar, the inner lion that they have with God, I'm going to, I'm going to bring them into that. And listen, all these things are beautiful. They're all beautiful, and they're all amazing, and I thank God for every one of those people, every single one of them. But do you want to know how God sees his disciples and his followers and his ministry leaders, which we all are? Do you know how he sees us? He sees us like this. That's how he sees us. He says, no, 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 no. Time and time again, I called you to be farmers. I called you to sow. How many times did Jesus teach on this? Parables of talents, parables of seed. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. You plant and then there's seed. This is how God pictures us. When we get that picture back into the church, then we're going to see real revival come. 
That's when revival happens. When all the other romanticism is finally lost. And it's like, no, no, no. Give me seed. Give me seed. Give me seed. Give me seed. I'm planting. I'm planting. I'm planting. I'm planting. I'm planting. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Michael, I've had a rough year. How do I sow? Look, I guess, see, it should be falling out of us everywhere we go. (laughs) How do I sow when I'm in pain? What did Psalm 126 say? Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed. This was not a good time. This was a national crisis time. And God says, still with the weeping, if you go out with the seed and you sow, you will reap. How do I go out when I'm weeping, God? Pastor Michael, how how do I find the strength to be able to do it? Well, God brought me to one last scripture, and I'll give it to you today. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 to 22. And this is when Noah got off the ark. And listen to what he says. He says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains. Can we say that together on three? One, two, three. While the earth remains remains sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This is the scripture that blew me away. You know what God was saying? Listen to this, listen to this. Every day you go out there and you see Pikes Peak up on that mountain, you see the earth still rotating around the sun. God's saying every time that happens, you need to understand something. Sea time and harvest will never cease. My principle of sowing and reaping will never cease. And when you understand that, it begins to give you a strength even in the pain that if God says this isn't going to cease, if this is how his created world actually works, if this is how we get out of this mess, yes, it's difficult. Yes, I'm crying. Yes, I'm in pain. But I am going to begin to sow. Because God has sworn in his word that as long as I go out there and that earth is underneath my feet, that if I sow today, I'm going to reap something tomorrow. It's going to happen. It can't but happen. The only way it stops is if we're no longer on the earth anymore. That's why Paul says this to Timothy. He says, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads the grain. And Paul says, what am I, talking about oxen? That's what I'm talking, he says, no, no, no. He says, this was written in the law, Timothy, for you and me. Because as ministry leaders, as believers, listen to me, when we tread the grain, when we sow, we should always have an expectation that we're gonna partake. He says, you should have an expectation because God's principle will not stop while the earth remains. Springs Church, stand with me. I believe this is the word God has given to us for 2022. 
I believe this is a word for all of us in the church, in our individual lives and us corporately. I think Psalm 126 is God's word. You might go out weeping, but go with the bag of seed and you will reap a joyful harvest. And this, this is my altar call. I'm not asking anybody to come forward. It's a homework assignment. It's for the rest of the week. I want you to begin to pray and ask God, God, where would you have me sow? Where are you calling me to sow? Now, I know I said we need to be sowing everywhere, and that's true. I'll talk more about that next week and the week to come. We got a lot to get into. But right now, I want you to spend time with God throughout the week identifying just one area that God is calling you to sow into. Just one thing. It might be your devotional life with him. It might be you getting connected with some relationships here at the church and beginning to get involved in a community group or getting in a focus group. It might be you putting new tools in your life to help parent or, or help in your singleness with some of the focus groups that are there. Get involved in one of those and begin to, to not just sit there and begrudgingly say, well, Pastor Michael said I had to be here because he threw a bunch of seeds all over the, the stage, but actually engage your heart to glean what it is that God is saying and to grow. But I want you to identify one area that God is calling you to sow. And I'm going to put it up on the screen. And then get this. I want you to be specific. I don't want these generalities of God wants me to grow in my spiritual life. Like, that's too general. What, what is he calling you to grow in in your spiritual life? Be specific. And then get this. I want you to write it in one sentence. And this is the key. You have to write it down. I had a friend tell me this one time. A pastor friend told me this. He says, Michael, it's not a vision until you write it down. If it's just up in here, it's just your imagination and your dreams. Until it's written down and you can explain it to somebody and you see it and it holds you accountable to where God is leading you, it's not a vision. So I want you to be specific. I want you to find one area God's calling you to sow and I want you to write it down and I want you to bring it back next week because we're gonna do something with it in our next week's sermon together. Amen? Spring Church, are you with me? You ready to sow? You ready to sow? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We love you. God, we commit this word before your throne and say, Holy Spirit, we ask that you now would impactfully touch it and convict us in those areas. Lord, you shined your light in many areas of my life saying, Michael, sow here. Michael, sow there. Michael, sow there. Michael, sow there. You were showing me where to sow. And God, I pray that you would do the same for every single person that's listening to my voice this morning, that as they go back and they spend a time in a week in prayer with you, you would show them, this is where I'm calling you to sow. And as we take our places out in those fields, like the farmers you called us to be, and we begin to sow, I believe as we go through 2022 and all into 2023, we're gonna see a reaping that's gonna begin to happen in this house. We're gonna see literally testimonies begin to flourish, and we're gonna rebuild the oaks of righteousness that once was the American church. We're gonna rebuild it here, starting here, and we're gonna believe it to go outside our doors, Lord God. So God, we commit this to you, we bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.